Hello, and you're very welcome to Mind You, where I dive into how different people use different ways to self-care. I'm Brian Barnes from Brian Barnes Wellbeing, where I partner with people to create unique wellbeing solutions. Today, I'm delighted to be talking to Petra Kovny. Petra has a huge passion for serving and minding others through her work as the creator of Menopause Yoga. She is the founder of Menopause Yoga Teacher Training Course. She's an author and a yoga teacher. And Petra, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Brian, for inviting me. Thank you, Petra. You're so welcome. And I'm, I'm delighted to be talking to you. And Petra, can you start off by telling me a bit about yourself and how you got to here? <laughs> a bit. I will try because obviously um, I'm in my mid-50s now, so it's been a while. Uh, but I can say that I actually started off as a journalist. Um, I worked in newspapers, BBC radio, television, making factual programs. And that's kind of important um, to note because I like working with facts, but I also have always been um, stimulated by social change. So trying to use the journalism for telling people's stories and for helping improve people's lives. And then I had my kids. I have two amazing kids who are now in their 20s. And at that point, I needed to change things up in terms of my work. And I worked for charities, children's charities. Um, But again, it was about giving people um, a voice, finding ways to present their stories for social change. And so I then got into my early 40s and something stopped me in my tracks. Oh, my word, Brian. I crashed. I absolutely crashed. It was not evident initially. It was, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling irritable. Or I'm waking up in a night sweat. I don't like the person I'm lying next to me because they're sleeping or they're snoring. Or it was, I uh, just can't juggle raising children and going into a full-time busy job. And then feeling like I was burnt out and fatigued. And I went to the doctor and they just said, well, you are, you're burning the candle at both ends. So back in those days, so my early 40s, we we didn't know the word perimenopause. That It didn't trip off the tongue like it does now. Yeah. And to be absolutely honest with you, none of the doctors at my GP surgery knew perimenopause. Because back in those days, in the seven years of medical training that doctors had to undergo, they had no training on the menopause. And if they did get the memo or get a recorded uh, webinar, it was optional. And it was really basically saying the only medical solution is HRT, but avoid it like the plague because it could lead to breast cancer. So pretty much you could go to your doctor and say, I think I'm missing my periods or I'm not feeling myself. And they'd either miss perimenopause completely because they didn't know about it. Or they'd say, well, I could offer you HRT, but I don't want to. Go away, sort it out yourself, and come back in six months and see how you feel. 
So, <laughs> so it's like, oh, so really um, all the work that I do now has come out of my own frustration, but also my own investigation. And so that's why it was kind of relevant to mention that I was a BBC journalist and I like my facts because I felt at the time, Brian, that women weren't told about their bodies and their hormones. They weren't told about the menopause apart from could get some hot flushes, that's the end of your reproductivity, uh, HRT. That was it pretty much back in those days. So yeah, it was all very secretive, wasn't it? Like it, it was all kind of kind of hush hush, kind of you know, whispers and kind of secrets, like really, wasn't it? It was more it wasn't secrets as in secret knowledge. It was mass ignorance. I like yeah. the medieval dark ages yeah. where the social taboo against talking about menopause was so strong that women didn't even want to talk to each other. Yeah. I mean, my mother had already passed at that age. My elder sister wasn't going through it. My friends hadn't gone through it yet. I went into it a bit early. Um, and so there was no one to talk to. So it, it was hush-hush in the sense of being a socially embarrassed taboo. Yeah. Brian, I was too embarrassed to mention anything to my husband because I felt in my early 40s, this means I'm no longer sexually attractive. Yeah. I'm no longer fertile. And we have to remember that women in our society through centuries have been valued for their reproductivity. So, you know, it, it, all of this stuff is kind of subconscious yeah. um, uh, self-denial, um, self if you see what I mean. So, uh, so that, that's how I came to it. And then from that desire for knowledge and desire to educate and share the information I had found using my journalistic research skills, I decided to create a kind of one-stop shop um, a package or program for women going through their menopause that included not just yoga, but also nutrition and maybe herbal remedies, certainly factual information about HRT and any other mindfulness-based practices, etc. So I kind of packaged that together and said, right, I'm going to share this with people because I am outraged that we haven't been taught this. Mm. But that's kind of how I came into it. And that was about 15 years ago. Wow, what a journey. And yeah, it's amazing. Again, like, you know, like I have, um, you know, I have two daughters. I'm a nurse for the last 30 years. I've worked with, you know, hundreds, thousands of women probably. And it's great, you know, that it's become, you know, so open and so openly discussed and, you know, it's kind of just out there more, like in the media and, you know, like it's everywhere, which is brilliant, isn't it? It is, but what we also have to recognise, because remember, I was there before this all changed. Yeah. I was there in still the transition and, you know, from the dark ages where I was told by yoga studios, you cannot call what you do menopause yoga because people won't sign up for it because it's not a good word. And then I was told by the medical profession, well, you're a yoga teacher. That's a bit woo-woo. Um, we're not going to allow you to come into our health practice and share 
your simple skills. Yes. And, I, and I, I know for you, Brian, you know, you've probably experienced that transformation in the health service as well. Like nowadays, they are looking at the whole person more and mindfulness, etc. Yeah. That's all been brought in. But 15 years ago, Brian, that was not mainstream. Yeah. So I was really pushing like a pioneer, pushing against the grain and going, I am going to call it menopause yoga. Um, I'm going to say it. I'm going to speak its name because breaking the taboo is part of the problem. It's part of the issue we're facing. If yeah. women can't talk about it with not just their doctor, but with themselves or their partners or their children or their friends, then they can't get the help they need. And that's when you probably experience this, Brian, talking to people going through the menopause. Women for 15 years have been coming to me and saying, oh my gosh, I thought I was going mad. I thought I was going insane. I felt so lost mm. and alone. Those are direct quotes from women I've been working with. And so this social taboo has actually made the menopause worse yeah. as an experience. Does that make a bit of sense? Absolutely. And it's almost like as if you're saying you're using the word taboo. The word that comes to my mind is kind of stigma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I talk about, you know, I've talked about the menopause with other guests on this podcast. and But like stigma, I talk a lot about with kind of clients and you know, in my work around mental health and trying to, you know, like reduce the stigma in mental health, um, which, you know, there's a lot work, a lot of work done, but a lot more to be done. But like, it's definitely a, a kind of a, a same kind of stigma when it comes to the menopause, wasn't it? Absolutely. And then when we recognise that not everyone going through the menopause is going to be in their 40s and 50s, they're people with premature ovarian insufficiency, POI. There could be women who are with POI who are teenagers or in their 20s. And I've worked with those women too. And that's been really eye-opening because we talk about midlife wisdom and this and that. Well, what if you've never had the opportunity to have children? What if you haven't had the opportunity to live your life? Oh my gosh, some of these women talk to me and they say, I was terrified that as I came into perimenopause and menopause early that I was going to suddenly shrivel up and my skin was going to wrinkle and I was going to turn into a little old lady you know I mean these are this this is the ridiculous level of yeah. ignorance due to social stigma these women shouldn't have to be afraid that isn't going to happen to them those are the people who do need medically to take HRT but then you've also as you know Brian You've got people with cancer treatment who go into an earlier menopause or hysterectomy, um, various other illnesses or genetic factors. So, yeah, we really need to talk about it and um, and make sure that people can get the support they need. Because it, even though we have this big, long list of symptoms, they say officially there are 34. Every time I run a workshop... Um, people come up with other ones. I'm like, oh yes, that would be linked. Yes. So it's, it's getting bigger and bigger. But the more that we label the menopause as just a list of negative symptoms, the more we are reinforcing that fear. So does that make sense too? Absolutely. Because really it's, 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 it's a natural process, isn't it? 
it's a natural process and women have always human women have always had the physical capacity to live into their hundreds mm -hmm. it's just as you're probably aware as well through your medical work it's been in the past issues around poverty poor nutrition childbirth um nutrition war all of these factors disease which has meant that women would in the 1800s they according to the national census in england the average age of a woman in 1821 was 51 the menopause age but in 2021 the national census here said that the average age of a woman when she passed was 81. Mm. So that means we're living 30 more years yeah. than we used to. Not because we couldn't in the past, but because our standard of living has changed. Yeah. And so really, I think for you and I and all the other people out there working in this sector, it's about how can we help those people to thrive in those extra 30 years, not just survive with illness and ailments or mental health issues absolutely absolutely well petra thank you so much for sharing that amazing journey with me and diving deeper into kind of, you know day to day you know like as i said like you're you're the creator of menopause yoga you're the founder of menopause yoga teacher training course and, and i know you do in person online you know like kind of day to day what does all that look like <laughs> it's pretty busy brian it is <laughs> It's a full-time uh, job. So um, I, I've been running menopause yoga workshops and classes and working with private clients officially. So it's officially launched in 2013. But I took about three years to do research and trial and error before I officially launched it. So uh, that was 15 years ago. Anyway, um, in 2019... Uh, I launched the world's first menopause yoga teachers training course, which includes aspects of other well-being like nutrition, herbal remedies, et cetera, et cetera. And since October 2019, so that's actually, it's October now I'm talking to you, um, we have trained 600 teachers in 50 countries worldwide. Wow. Yeah, and I'm really excited about that because we don't have big training courses. I limit the numbers so that we can create a sense of community because the training experience is as much for the people taking the course as it is for them to become teachers supporting other women. Yeah. Um, so we've, we've done that sort of incrementally in groups of 15 or 20 people. So that's a lot of people world wide and uh so there's lots of courses and i wrote a book and i've got my second book that i'm writing which is a daily practice guide for people so not for teachers just for women oh can i just mention one thing brian um, i'm really careful now with my language we used to say women go through the menopause but mm. we now try to also say people because we also know that non-binary people go through the menopause and transgender men go through the menopause. And they can have a, an even uh, trickier, harder time of it as well. Um, so, yeah, just mentioning that in terms of our language. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
And Petra, again, diving deeper into menopause yoga, like we, we, you've touched on, you know, kind of, again, a lot of the areas that you cover, but what are some of the, let's say, differences between menopause yoga and your, like your kind of normal kind of high street yoga that people would know about? What are the main differences and benefits? So I have carefully selected yoga poses and movements yoga meditations and breathing techniques some people would call it mindfulness but we have very specific things maybe around gratitude and joy as well as reducing anxiety but i've carefully selected curated if you like um, uh, a program for women that has specially tailored content to help them alleviate their symptoms. So first off, the thing to say, Brian, is yoga is not a pill. Yoga cannot cure or cure the menopause. It can't um, uh, reduce the root cause of the menopause, which is the change in hormones. Mm. Um, but what yoga can do on a holistic way is that yoga can create a community. So we have women's circle discussions, breaking that taboo down, talking about the issues. Um, we have classes specifically tailored for groups of symptoms. So there, there's a class for hot flushes, there's a class for menopause, rage and irritability. There's a class for anxiety and overwhelm, a class for brain fog, fatigue, a class for insomnia. And there's also um, a class for strengthening your bones and your heart and boosting your brain energy for your postmenopause because we know about the long-term health risks to, um, of osteoporosis, cardiovascular disease and um, depression. So we have tailored classes with tailored content. But behind all of this is we, the teachers, are empowering the people in our classes to practice on their own at home. Because the truth is, you don't just get a hot flush on a Monday evening in a yoga studio. So you need to have like a little toolkit of yeah. techniques that yeah. you can pull out whenever you need them. I'd imagine that'd be the same with your mindfulness practice. You know, people don't just get anxious um, in, a, in a doctor's surgery or in a meditation class. Exactly. It can be anytime, anywhere. It, exactly. So menopause yoga has been very specifically curated to give simple techniques that people can practice either in home, at home, or even in the workplace, which I do a lot of corporate work or even in a supermarket or standing at a bus stop, because that's when we're going to need it. <laughs> uh, so we've got the community, the sense of um, community talking about the issues, breaking the taboo. We've got the classes tailored for specific groups of symptoms. But we also have the journal writing. So we encourage people to self-reflect. Um, we use meditation as a tool for that as well, but we also create space for people to journal how they are feeling and develop that mind-body connection called interoception mm -hmm. that senses into your body and says, what do I need today? And can I give that to myself?
you know, whether that's jumping in the sea for a swim, going to the gym, walking in nature, a cup of tea with a friend, reading a book, you know, whatever it might be. What is it I need today to get myself through this day? Um, and then one little final thing is that um, the umbrella concept for the whole of menopause yoga is something called second spring. So rather than just listing our experience of menopause as a list of negative symptoms, mm -hmm. we reframe it as that positive opportunity for long-term health and happiness. And we present the concept of second spring, which is your post-menopause. Have you heard of second spring before? No. Oh, let me share it with you, Brian. I think your listeners would love this. So I'm actually a tiny part Chinese, and I've always been drawn to traditional Chinese medicine. And I read a book in my perimenopause that was about the stages of a woman's life. And it was written by um, a Chinese woman. And in this, she went through the seasons or stages of a woman's life according to traditional Chinese medicine. And she said, your post-menopause is your second spring. It's your time to re-blossom. So yeah. if, if you think about your puberty, your youth as your spring, where everything is growing, and then your womanhood, your adulthood is like summer with all the flowers and the trees blooming and green and active, and then autumn is the perimenopause, that time of quite difficult transition where if we look out in nature, we might see that one day we've got storms and rain. And then the next day in autumn, you might get a bright, hot, sunshiny day. So it's a very turbulent time of upheaval. Yeah. And that's what I would call the, the, the perimenopause. And then you go into winter. And winter is more a Nordic winter, a time of rest going inwards in a nice cozy way um, and taking that time to slow everything down and be reflective. Um, and that's your menopause, your, your 12 or more months without a menstrual bleed. But then if you have given yourself the time to rest, do less, and reduce stress in your menopause, your winter, then you can re-emerge into your second spring with vitality and creativity and positivity, feeling more energized and empowered. And I see this, Brian, all the time. I felt it, but I also witness it with the women I work with. Wow, I love that. And again, that, that new, a, a kind of a, a new, a chance to kind of, you know, create a new kind of path and a new life by changing your perspectives and how, how you kind of feel about yourself and how you feel about your life, isn't it? Exactly. Because if a person has those 30 extra years on average, how do they want to spend that time? Do they yeah. want to be ill and infirm, struggling with osteoporosis or depression or whatever it might be? Or do they want to blossom and enjoy that stage of life? 
um, refine that passion. I'd love to give you just a, a few examples. Can I can I give you some a few examples of how I've seen this in different women? Please, yeah. Okay, so for me, my second spring passion um, was born out of that outrage that there wasn't enough there for for women about the menopause, and that's now become my whole life's passion. It's what I do twenty four seven. Um, but I've uh, worked with women in the menopause and offered them this new perspective or new old perspective of second spring and given them this opportunity to, through relaxation, meditation, to reconnect with their teenage self. Well, you know, what, what did that teenage person want to do? What were their hopes and their dreams or their ideas of adventures? Yeah. And so when we go from teenager to queenager, queenager is where we are in our second spring. And we think, okay, there's this really intimate, beautiful bridge, like a rainbow bridge between the two, the older person and that younger person. And without the estrogen and progesterone, et cetera, thriving around your body, it helps remind you, what did I want to do or want to be or want to experience? And do I still want to experience that now? Have I had the opportunity? That kind of carpe diem, seize the day, you know, if not now, when? Yeah. And uh, so just to give you a couple of examples, I've had women come back to me after my workshops. One woman, um, she had got a little bit resentful about being a parent and felt that her children had clipped her wings a bit because she used to be, before children, she was a travel writer, a travel writing journalist. And she then got back in contact with me by email and said, I just want to let you know, since your workshop, I spoke to my daughter who's now 18 and we've decided to take a gap year together and we're going to write a mother and daughter travel book. I thought that was great. Wow. Yeah. And then another woman, she was accomplished. She was in her late 50s, nearly 60. And she was really struggling with um, a menopause depression and felt that she'd been cheated in some ways, that she thought being a parent and working hard was going to give her fulfillment. And she got to this stage and just felt, nah, <laughs> you know. And she thought back to her younger self and she remembered how much she loved to ride horses. And so she got back in touch with me and she said that she and some other women that she knew had all clubbed together to rent a horse in a stables nearby and they all drove up there at the weekend and they would groom the horse, ride the horse, spend time with the horse and she said that sensation on being on the back of the horse, cantering, galloping in nature, she felt so free and alive again. Um, other people I know, they've said, I've always wanted to write poetry one woman called Annie Moore, she just brought out um, her own self-published book of poetry, which is beautiful, beautiful poems. And another one, another one, Brian, was a woman who came on retreat with me. And she said that 
she and her husband were really struggling um, since her menopause. Their relationship was feeling a bit rocky. Um, and she then sent me a photograph of herself dressed in leather jacket, leather trousers, standing next to a Harley Davidson motorbike. And she had remembered that when she and her husband were young lovers, they had gone motorbike, motorbike riding around India. And the photograph was taken in India. She'd gone back with her husband and they were having the time of their lives. Wow. So I, I hope your listeners like those examples. I love those stories and that whole idea of kind of a fresh start and kind of coming full circle. I, I love you. The way you talk about that bridge, that rainbow between your teenage self and yeah. your, your kind of current self that, you know, you've maybe kind of had done the career, had the kids, done all the busy stuff. And now it's time to kind of reassess and look at some of those passions that you might have had as a teenager and, you know, kind of reigniting the, the flame. Yeah, well, I mean, Exactly. And I, I, I love that reigniting the flame, putting fire back in your bed. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, but the funny thing is, Brian, like when you think back to when you were a teenager, I mean, give yourself a moment now. What were your hopes, dreams and ambitions? Because I'm going to raise my hand up and say I wanted to be both Ginger Rogers and Fred Astaire. I'm not yeah. quite sure how, but I wanted to be a tap dancer. And unfortunately, I'm really bad at tap dancing. So my my queenager hopes and dreams are not the same as my teenager. But what about you? What did you dream of? Um, well, that's a good question. I suppose I kind of I suppose a big dream for me was to like I've always loved music, which and, and like I do play a lot of music and um, I play guitar, but I suppose I always had the thing about going into business, being kind of self-employed and being my own boss, which is still very much there. And um, so that's interesting. But I would suggest to you, Petra, that that kind of tap dancing, like, you know, have, have you kind of tried that again, as in even just gone for a tap dancing class? Do you know, it's, it's actually a good prompt, uh, Brian. No, I haven't. I feel quite heavy on my feet. Um, I did, in my mid-twenties, I also wanted to go and learn um, uh, Spanish um, dancing. What is it called? You know the... Flamenco? Flamenco, exactly. Mm. And I was too... At that age, I was, no, I've got to stick in my job. I've got to be sensible, keep earning money. And I really wanted just to run away in my mid-twenties and go to Spain and learn flamenco. I really wish I had. I don't know if I've got it in me, Brian. I don't know if I've got that that level of energy, but... Um, I, well, that could be, I suppose, maybe that could be, maybe put, you, could, you could put it on, on the to-do lists, Petra, is to, because is to, like, I'm yeah. sure there's, I'm sure there's tap dancing classes and flamenco <laughs> classes in Brighton. Uh, there has to be. Do you know, there probably has. I guess I've been more drawn to Qigong these days. Yeah. But actually, you know, maybe maybe it would do me some good, Brian. I love that that suggestion. So next time we talk, um, especially yeah. if we meet, I'll let you know if I've tried uh, tap dancing or, or flamenco. Absolutely. That, but, could be your, that could be your second spring. Yeah. But one of the other things that I experienced, and again, I have the... I'm so grateful for the opportunities I have to work with women in this very exciting stage in life. Mm. Because um, in traditional Chinese medicine, 
they say that when you're going through your menopause, you've got your yin and your yang. So yin, we have this within all of us, uh, like two sides of the moon. And you have your yin, which is your feminine side, which is cool, calm, like the moon, um, reflective. And then you've got your yang side, which is heat, fire, masculine, like the sun. And we've got this within us always. And in their concepts, they say that as you're going through menopause, your yang heat increases, hence hot flushes, hot emotions, <laughs> lots of strong emotions. And that what we need to do is bring in more, more yin. Um, but I, I, I kind of like those um, concepts because the other thing they say in traditional Chinese medicine is that you know when a woman is going through menopause because she starts to voice stronger opinions. Mm. Oh, I like that. Yeah. And, and then what I see, and I'm you know, observing hundreds of women all over the world. This is a phenomenon all over the world. In all different cultures, women start finding their voice. They get a stronger voice. They have stronger opinions. They start calling things out as in, you know, they don't agree with something. They're going to let you know. Or they've been treated with abuse. They're going to speak about it. Or um, they have likes or dislikes. They're going to find they feel stronger in their ability to express that. Um, and medically, is it medically? Hmm. Scientifically, we know that women's voices drop slightly lower in their postmenopause. Isn't that interesting? interesting. It, it is like we're actually finding our voice. And, and for me, Brian, this was hugely important because I worked as a journalist writing down other people's stories. I worked in charities helping other people to voice their experiences, tell their stories in the media. And throughout all of those years, I never voiced my voice. Yeah. I never felt the confidence to express myself. And so for me, what was very transformative was actually writing the menopause yoga book because that gave me my voice. And even being on this podcast, Brian, I'm so appreciative because even this is you're giving me my voice. So thank you. It's my pleasure, Petra. And thank you for sharing with me your amazing journey and the amazing work that you're doing and helping so many people and those beautiful ripple effects that are coming from your work in menopause yoga. So, so thank you. And can you tell me now how you mind you? Ah, okay. So this is really important because even though I'm in my postmenopause, I can still get symptoms. And one of the symptoms I can get when I get very busy, which is where I am right now, is I get overwhelmed. Now, people used to go, overwhelmed, that's not a symptom, that's not a thing. Oh, yes, it is. 
your brain synapses just don't connect as quickly as they used to. It's a little bit like spark plugs in a car battery. They're firing, but they're not firing on all cylinders. And you want to, you know what you want to express or do, but it's not quite connecting. So I have to slow down and take time out for myself, Brian. That's how I, that's how I heal myself. And so what does that mean? Well, I love swimming. So I will get up in the morning and walk the dog. But sometimes during the week, I'll actually pay for a dog walker so that I can get up, go for a swim, either in the sea or the outdoor swimming pool, sit with my friends having a cup of tea on the beach, looking out to sea if I'm on the beach. And then I'll do some yoga. And more recently, I've actually, even though I'm the trainer of teachers, I've enjoyed going back into a class and being a little bit invisible at the back of a yoga class in another teacher's class and just relaxing, letting them hold the space and guide me. I find it wonderful. And how lucky am I to be able to do that? Absolutely. I love that, Petro. I love that, that you're still, you know, there's, you're still curious and passionate and inquisitive and willing to learn from other people, even though you teach other people. Absolutely. We're always learning, aren't we, Brian? We're always learning. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that with me, Petra. And again, just about the amazing work that you're doing with menopause yoga just about your book tell me a bit more about your book and what you cover in it and how it came about so uh, menopause yoga a holistic they should have said an holistic but anyway menopause yoga a holistic guide to supporting women on their menopause journey Um, it was written in 2020 to accompany the teacher's training course um, and was published in 2021. Um, and it's, it is basically the guidebook that women all over the world who are able to read English, um, they use it to teach and maybe come on my training courses. Um, but the second book is going to be a daily practice guide aimed more at women rather than teachers, although teachers can use it. And It's going to have really short, easy to practice sequences, whether that's one breathing technique, one short meditation, one or two yoga poses for alleviating different symptoms at home. As I said before, menopause yoga is about empowering women through this education to embrace their menopause. But we need to share some some simple to practice skills. So that's what the second book will be. But can I say one more thing, Brian? I hope uh, this isn't oversharing. But I feel like I still have a dream that hasn't been fulfilled. And for me, I want to write a fiction book, a fiction book that it is a woman's story that travels through the seasons of her life and emerges into her second spring. So mm. that's, I, I want to give myself some space to write that. Interesting. <laughs> uh, maybe a tap dancing, flamenco dancing. 
Oh, I love that, Brian. I think I'm going to have to go and do some research. Go yeah. out there and do it. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. What a great idea. I'll have to credit you when I've uh, when I've <laughs> written the book. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. I love it. And Pedro, where can people find you? So I'm. Um, my website is www.menopause-yoga.com. I mentioned the hyphen because there's lots of other people jumping in there with similar website names. So menopause-yoga.com. And I'm pretty active on Instagram. Um, and I am at menopause underscore yoga. And my name is Petra Coveney. Cool. Okay. Well, I will put links to your website and to your Instagram page onto this podcast. And Petra, thank you so much for sharing with me the amazing journey you've been on and the amazing work that you're doing with menopause yoga. And, you know, just again, the ripple effects that that, you know, goes out into the world. And, you know, like, thank you so much for all that amazing work that you're doing and for sharing with me how you mind you. And best of luck with everything that you do in the future. Oh, thank you so much, Brian. And thank you for inviting me on your podcast and for all the work that you're doing in the podcast reaching out to people in the well-being world and, and sharing this with other people. I'm really enjoying your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Mind You. And I hope you've learned about the benefits of holistic self-care. Please like, subscribe and follow Mind You podcast wherever you listen to it. And please share it so we can keep the ripple effect of holistic self-care going out to the world. You can find me and mind you at Brian